Welcome to day 19 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp. I'm here with David Keefe and uh, Matt Kresge. As you may have discovered by now, this is kind of our pattern on Fridays. <laughs> or, well, I guess we're not doing Fridays or Mondays or anything. We're doing day 19. So just day. Uh, shaped by the Word. <laughs> Any day. So here we are you know, together working our way through the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 9. Uh, yesterday's reading we closed with uh, Peter James and John with Jesus when he was praying and transformed, you know, before their very eyes, and Moses and Elijah also, you know, appeared in glorified bodies, and, and the disciples saw them speaking, and Peter paused in that moment and said, we ought to build three tabernacles and stay here forever, and Luke graciously tells us he had no idea what he was saying. It is the first thing that came to his mind, but of course all of us want to live in the mountaintop experience you know, with a really spiritual goosebumps. And you see why Peter wanted to stay on the mountain when you turn to the second half of the chapter, because in the second half of the chapter they come down to the realities of a broken world uh, where a young boy is being ravaged you know, by a demon and uh, the disciples are powerless to do anything about it. So before we uh, continue in chapter 9 of Luke's gospel, let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer, uh, offer ourselves to him and offer this moment to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift you have given us in your word. We thank you that every bit of it is your heartbeat, that your breath is in it, that your spirit is in it, that you so superintended the writers of the gospel that they wrote exactly what you wanted them to say in the way that you wanted them to say it and we get all of their personality their concerns their vocabulary and uh, father we thank you uh, for how you work through people by your spirit in order to bring your blessing to us so as we read the word may we be shaped by the word may you use it to convict us uh, of sin and of righteousness that you have given us in christ jesus it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, I'm reading in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 37. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. The Spirit sees him, and he is suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and not put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him into the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men but they did not understand what this meant it was hidden from them so they did not grasp it and they were afraid to ask him about it an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest jesus knowing their thoughts took a little child and had him stand beside him then he said to them whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead 
who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and the disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. Let you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. See, we continue to hear Jesus' heart-hitting invitation into discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's not just a casual Bible study where you sit around and you know, share a few warm thoughts with each other. He's inviting people to forsake everything they have mm-hmm. and, and to follow him. Some think they want to follow him, and he says, you, you don't. Yeah. You're not going to have a place to lay your head. Other people he asks to follow him, and they don't want to follow him because they have more pressing matters you know, to take care of. And, of course, yesterday uh, we read you know, that the heart of discipleship is you know, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and, and follow him, to actually lose our life in the process of, of following him. So the invitation is, is a grand invitation. You have to enjoy several things that are, you know, going on, you know, going on in this, uh, you know, passage. Uh, James and John want to call down fire from heaven. <laughs> a little dramatic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I were Jesus, I would say, go ahead, do it. Let me see you guys do that. Yeah. Cast that'd out be, a demon. It would be really yeah. wonderful <laughs> if you could do that. Uh, but, yeah, we come down from the mountain, from the transfiguration, and uh, the disciples are finding uh, their in a place where uh, they cannot cast out a demon. Yeah. I mean, this, in a lot of ways, this whole chapter, right after Jesus says, you know, you're the Messiah, the Christ, it seems like right after that, the rest of the chapter is like setting out to say the, the, the disciples aren't ready yet. You know, they keep, no. their, their unbelief keeps, you know, it's, it's manifested over and over again. Jesus is rebuking them over and over again. And even in that, in the tension, you know, in 951, he says, as the time approached for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. You know, so he sets his face towards the cross, towards Jerusalem, knowing where he's going. And yet he still has like a, a group of disciples that just don't seem to get it. Right. And that's a major turn in the narrative, you know, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you have, you know, the introduction where he tells us exactly what he's doing as he shapes his gospel and, and talks to eyewitnesses. And then you have, you know, the birth of, you know, John announced and the birth of Jesus announced and the baptism and the genealogy and then the ministry of John. And so everything we've covered so far has been in Galilee. But now the, Luke is making a big turn and the turn is going to be a journey to Jerusalem. And that'll go on for the next a few chapters through chapter 19 and then the final chapters will be the cross the yeah. focus of the cross and even looking back to when uh james and, and john want to throw down fire um you know we, we see obviously the heart of jesus we know it having the full new testament that his heart was actually for the samaritans and to the ends of the earth and they're willing to throw down fire to destroy them so again to matt was saying to what matt was saying like they just weren't quite ready. They didn't quite see the full scope of what this kingdom was going to do. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, even when I love Luke says the son of man, Jesus tells them son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them. So there's also kind of that mystery of 
God hasn't allowed them to fully comprehend what's to happen yet. And yet I, I see so much even of myself and just this this pursuit or this, you know, life of following Jesus is so much of it's just man, I, I haven't arrived. And in the moment I think that I have arrived and I begin to argue with who's the greatest in the kingdom, I find myself not, you know, not fully getting it. I find myself just like the disciples. And and so I love even, even in here when we see, obviously the disciples don't get it. You know, Jesus's grace is still, you know, so evident with them. And yet we also see harsh teaching. We see rebuke. And, and I think of the passages where, you know, like the author of Hebrews reminds us that the father disciplines us and he, he rebukes those whom he loves, you know, and so we see kind of this. Well, we see, tender uh, yeah, we see both. We see both, you know, his compassion and grace yeah. for our fallenness, and his impatience, yeah, with our fallenness. And where the impatient comes in, it's, you know, he said, "How long will I have to put up with this wicked generation?" Mm. Because what could have been, had they been faithful to God, would have been. You know, through the promises of the covenant, the ravaging of all of these things that are ravaging them, and yet they have sold themselves, you know, into exile, and they're still mm-hmm. in exile. So you see both his grace and tenderness and calling them out of exile, yeah. but also his frustration. Why? Why did you ever, you know, find yourself in this new position, you know, in in, in the first place? Yeah. And not only did they, you know, uh, were they not getting it. They're, they didn't ask. Yeah. I mean, they, you, because you're about to have an argument about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and you don't want to be the dumbest kid in the class. And look, I don't get what you're saying, Jesus. And a, but they were afraid to ask him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they weren't getting it, but they had him, you know, right there. If they'd only been humble, Lord, you know, tell us what you what you mean about that. And of course, they should have thought of suffering servant. You know, the Isaiah, mm-hmm. you know, fifty three passages. Uh, you know the Isaiah passages where he was bruised for our iniquities, where he was struck and disfigured, that his days were cut off. You know that has been you know seen all through Scripture, and yet nobody's processing that. Mm. And uh, this is the reality that Jesus is about to live out. Mm. You know, another aspect that really stands out to me when Jesus heals the demon possessed boy is, you know, the father comes to the disciples and. He had begged them to drive them you know, to drive the demons out, but they couldn't. And, and so there's, I think they were willing, but they didn't have the power. And then when the, the father comes to Jesus and he begs him, you know, Jesus is both willing and powerful. And, and that, I mean, obviously shows us such a great deal about Jesus. Yeah. You know that it's one thing to, to say, oh, I think I can do this. It's another thing to actually have the power to be able no, to that, do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's a lesson they should have learned. You know, at the base, you know, at the base of the mountain. <laughs> You know, this is not, you know, this is not our power, you know, to command. It's his power working in and yeah. through us. And so when John you know, said, you know, let us call down fire from heaven, you, you, you can't really do that. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's kind of cute that you want to yeah. do that. But uh, that is only, you know, the power that, you know, even the power that Jesus has is power that he exercises through the Father's authority as the unique son of God. And uh, the gospel is not about you know the power that we possess, but it's about mm-hmm. the power that God has forgiven, you know, that God has given us. Yeah, that leads to renewal. Well, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but it, we're it, jumping all over I the know. place. So you just Let's go ahead. Luke yeah. ten verse seventeen: The seventy-two returned after Jesus sends out the seventy-two. Returned with joy, saying, "Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name." You know, and, G- and Jesus yeah. replied, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." 
I have given you authority to trample. I didn't know you were going to jump that far ahead when you said we're going to do discipleship. (laughs) But I mean, exactly to what you were saying, you know, it's it's not our authority. It's the authority of Jesus, which he has given to us, but it's still his. And and I think of even now, go all the way to Matthew 28, right? And it says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, you know, that we go in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus. It's not our authority inherent. No. You know, it's not ours. And then, of course, you know, verse you know, 57, as they're walking along the road, and this is an image, you know, that uh, Luke wants us to have. They're moving, you know, toward mm-hmm. Jerusalem, and they're moving, you know, toward the inevitable. And uh, it is going to be a dividing time, you know, for the disciples. It's going to be you know, what he's already taught you know, the disciples about. It's going to call for you to lay, you know, lay down your life. It's going to call for you to, uh, you know, set aside your life for whoever wants to save it will lose it. And then, of course, they did want to save it, and mm-hmm. uh, he he rescued them. But in verse fifty-seven, as they're walking along the road, a man said to him, "I'll follow you wherever you go." And in this instance, Jesus talks him out it and said to another man, "Follow me." And the man himself talks himself out of it. And you see the demands of discipleship being high, but those who respond to it is being very rare. Yeah, Yeah, and we see when it's so easy for us to just verbally make that commitment, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. Like, no problem, no big deal. Like, I'll do Jesus and kind of do my own thing on the side as well. But the commitment he makes here is, like, letting us know this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. You're going to... You're going to be missing out. Um, you're not going to be able to, to look back on the things you think you're missing out on because I'm actually the better thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so we get to see those tendencies of ourselves as mm-hmm. disciples to to want to do like a Jesus kind of plus an easy way of following Jesus or a Jesus plus I still get to do all the things I want to do. Yeah. Or even the Jesus and I, I can kind of go back to the things that I kind of like as well. But his call is, is so big. That it is is really a leaving behind of, of everything. Right, setting aside idols and worshiping the one true God is you know the essence, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and the call. Uh, I I remember you know when I was a youth pastor, we'd had one of those really great you know retreat re- re- you know weekends when the word was really powerful, the worship was really powerful, the fun and games you know was awesome, and you know some kids were sharing their testimony, and one guy you know got up and he said, you know I think God's calling me to be a youth pastor. You guys don't do anything but have a lot of fun. <laughs> And we're all going, oh my goodness! <laughs> you, you saw, you saw ten minutes, yeah. you know, in the life of someone who has invested their life in high school students, and uh, it's the rest of it, you know, that is uh, profoundly joyful, but also profoundly uh, deep and heavy mm-hmm. and, and hard. Yeah. And, and so, following him, uh, you know, is like that. It's not, you know, just kind of the the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. retreat spiritual high experience it is coming back into the depths and we saw that in the parable of the sower you know that uh, without root we won't last if we let the worries of the world crowd us out we won't last we have to give ourselves fully to him and fully to his word Matt why don't you close us uh, with a word of prayer yeah let's pray Father we um, thank you for your word we thank you for the the passages in it that comfort and encourage, uh, but we also thank you for the passages that are more difficult to hear, that convict, um, that remind us that following you is not easy, 
In fact, it's incredibly difficult, but it's worth it. And so would you set our eyes on Jesus, the one who is worth it? Would you help us to run the race? Um, Thank you for your spirit who even now dwells in us and empowers us. Um, Thank you for your word, the way it transforms us. And we pray that that transforming effect would continue to take place even uh, as we continue to to meditate on these passages and these difficult sayings. Um, Help us to treasure you and your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.